while the rest of the world tends to take it easy on, on the weekends and in the summertime, our lectionary has pointed us to some pretty hard readings, and it will continue to do so. Uh, so we, we do a little heavy lifting in the church during the summer. And we are still in the midst of sort of this long passage from Genesis that's talking about Abraham and Sarah. And when we read the book of Genesis, a thing that's really important to remember that particularly in this book, names of people usually mean something. And this morning, we continue with this story of Abraham and Sarah. And when Abraham and Sarah first appear in Genesis, they have slightly different names, but God gives them new names. When God claims them and brings them into his promise, he changes their name. So Abram turns into Abraham, which means the father of many. And Sarai turns into Sarah, which means princess. Now, Sarah's previous name, Sarai, meant quarrelsome. And we maybe see a little bit of that quarrelsome nature this morning with the reading that we get. So when we left Sarah and Abraham last week, Sarah was laughing in joy over the birth of Isaac. And it's because of her joy and laughter that Sarah gives the child the name Isaac, which means he laughs. And so our story today continues with Isaac growing up and they're throwing this big party, this big feast to celebrate that Isaac has, has grown big enough that he can be weaned from his mother. And in the midst of this party, Sarah sees Isaac playing with the son of Hagar. And Sarah says to Abraham that he needs to cast Hagar and her son out. Hagar, a slave, an Egyptian, and her son should not and will not inherit what Isaac is to get. Now to me, this seems pretty drastic to look at a father and say, you need to send your son away. But in it, I think we hear Sarah's anguish, her pain. Because if you remember from last week, we talked about that Hagar's son comes when Abraham and Sarah had been losing their patience with the promise that God had made to them. And in their desperation to fulfill God's promise, for Abraham to become a father of a great nation, Abraham goes to Hagar and they have a child. So now, in the midst of Sarah's joy over God's promise being fulfilled, there is a child that serves as a reminder of the many years that she waited and was disappointed. And there also is a child that potentially threatens her own child's inheritance and the nation that God had promised to them. So she says to Abraham, send them away. 
Now, Abraham, as would be expected, is distressed by this, and God comes to Abraham and says, Do as Sarah asked. I will take care of the boy, and I will make a nation of Hagar's son. So early in the morning, Abraham gets up. He gathers together some bread, a skin of water, so a big kind of bottle of water, and he gives them to Hagar, and he sends her and her son away. And Hagar heads out into the wilderness. But this is not the first time that Hagar, whose name means flight, to run away from, has gone into the wilderness. When she was pregnant with her son, she had an argument with Sarah and fled. And while she was in the wilderness, God came to her and spoke to her. And Hagar goes so far as to call God a name. She calls God a God who sees, a God of seeing. And God sends Hagar back to Abraham and to Sarah. So now Hagar is for a second time in the wilderness, and for a second time it seems that all hope is lost. The food runs out, the water runs dry, and Hagar in her desperation leaves her son under a bush, leaves him crying because she can't stand to watch her son die, and she goes off. <clears throat> close enough that she can still hear the boy, but far enough away that she doesn't have to see what's going to happen. And there she cries, and she calls out. And again, God shows up. Amen. And God looks at Hagar and says, Do not be afraid. I have heard the voice of your child. Go pick him up. I will make a great nation of him. Now open your eyes. And when she does, she sees the well with plenty of water, and they are saved. For us, in the Christian tradition, we look to Abraham as the father of Israel. I remember being a kid in Sunday school class, and we would sing the song, right? The Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. And I think there was something about arms. It was sort of like a hokey pokey for the, for the Sunday school, right? But we claim that no matter how far removed we are from Abraham and Sarah, that we are one of the children of Abraham. And this matters for us because it is from the people of Israel that Jesus comes, and it's the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ that does not rewrite the history of God, but fulfills it. And our story does not begin 2,000 years ago with Jesus, but begins at the very creation of the world. And throughout that history, God has shown us again and again that God will deliver God's people no matter how impossible the odds. 
that even when death is certain, even when you are in the midst of the wilderness and there is no more food and no more water, God brings forth life. It's the God that cares for the sparrows and that even knows the number of the hairs on our heads, however few or however great. There's a God that has been seeking and saving us for a really long time. So the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar should be a familiar one to us. We should hear in this story of this complicated family sort of our human response to what it, what, how we respond when suddenly we feel chosen. When Sarah finally embraces God's promise and knows that Isaac is there and that they really have been chosen, she excludes. She pushes out and distanced herself from the Egyptian slave woman and the child that was not chosen that reminds her that her chosenness depends on something not herself. As humans, I think we feel safe when we get a group that we get to identify with. And once we identify ourselves with a group, that means that we have created that there are people that are in and there are those who are out. Now, sometimes we do this in really healthy ways, right? Our family is a group. Our friends around us are a group. We join together in mutual love and trust and build each other up. Sometimes you end up in a group just because of what your job is. That doesn't mean you necessarily like everybody you work with, but because of your job, here you are a group of people that are joined together to do something. But sometimes we create groups in unhealthy ways. And we do that to create a place so that we can say that we are in and that those that are out can't come in. We're really good at doing this. We do this sometimes with our friends groups. We look at kids in school. They're really good at pushing somebody that's a little bit different out. We do this in our politics. We do this with our money. And we oftentimes do it in where we worship. And when we do this, I think we do it because we're afraid. We're afraid that somehow we're less in or we're less chosen if there's somebody that is different than us there. And when we push them out, when we cast them out, we can change them not from a flesh and blood person like you and me, but we can make them something other, something less than us. And in our fear, we can sometimes try to destroy them. But this story that we get this morning, I think, tells us and cautions us that any time that we think we have it figured out, any time when we think we're the ones that are safe and everyone else is out and everyone else is a threat to our safety, we got to stop and think about it. And we have to remember this. One of the main people in this story this morning from Genesis is Hagar's son. 
which in this passage, Hagar's son is never named, but we know his name, and his name is Ishmael, which means God listens. God listens to the cries of Ishmael when he is cast out by Abraham, and God listens and God saves, and the passage tells us that God was with Ishmael as he grew up, and he was with Ishmael as he married, and he was with Ishmael as he lived his life and went on to have a generation of families. Ishmael shows us that God listens to those that we may cast out. Amen. To be saved, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is not an easy task, and that's what the Gospel of Matthew is telling us about in these readings that we have about what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means that you leave home without enough stuff, and it means that you go out and you depend on the places where you end up, and it means that people won't like you, and people may persecute you. But Jesus tells us this morning that we are to be like him, Amen. and that means that we are to take up not our cross, but the cross and follow him, that in order to find our lives, we have to be ready to lose them. Jesus didn't just come to the people of Israel, and the salvation that Jesus brings through his death and resurrection cannot be contained. It's for the whole world. When Jesus tells us to pick up the cross and follow him, we know that we are not just going to those people that we like or that look like us or think like us or that we trust or that we think deserve it. We are called to go to those who are different, who are outcast, and who are enemies and that we don't understand. We are called not to go to places of safety, but we are called to go to where Christ went. And we go not because we ourselves are the saviors of the lost and that we are bringing salvation to people. We go because we are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And we go and we follow Jesus even when it's uncomfortable, and even when it is dangerous, and even if we don't like the people that we are sent to, because God is already there calling for us to join him. Amen.